Merry Christmas to all of you. I know we're not quite there yet, but it is coming close. It's coming fast, isn't it? And, uh, and again, it's a pleasure to be here. Grace and peace be to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, go ahead and uh, put the first slide up there. How many of you have seen uh, or maybe regularly watched the TV show called The Voice? How many of you have seen that? Okay, so maybe not as many as I thought. Um, I've seen it a few times. Uh, it is kind of an interesting show, I, I have to admit. Uh, my wife and kids have watched it, and I think they were watching it one night, and that's what kind of got me interested. It's a TV show that started uh, back in, I think, 2011, and it actually has its origins in a show that a very similar show called The Voice in Holland, or The Voice of Holland. And uh, some people over here got the idea. I think it's on NBC, and, and it's been uh, quite a hit show, actually. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, uh, let me share with you the, the premise of the show. There's, uh, there's a number of celebrities, a panel of celebrities. There's, uh, I believe, four. And uh, you'll see, you can see a couple of them there. Uh, maybe you know who's the guy... Does anybody know who the guy is? Adam Levine, and who is the girl? Or lady, Miley Cyrus. Uh, Blake Shelton is another one that's been on there. And, and there's other ones, I think they, they come and go on, depending on the season. But there's a panel of celebrities, and what they do is they uh, listen as uh, people come onto the, the show. Uh, I believe it's one at a time. They come, and they are largely unknown, uh, untapped uh, singers and uh, you know looking to become known and so they come on this show and the celebrities listen to them and then they have the option to choose them to come on their team so each celebrity will have a team of these singers and they will uh, those singers then and this is where it gets a little foggy to me I'm not sure but I think they compete eventually in, a, in a, this competition to see who the winner will be who the voice will be and the idea is to look for the next voice, that the show might be uh, a way to launch the careers of some of these, again, unknown uh, singing talents. And, uh, you know, the celebrities look for things like, uh, you know, just the right sound. They, they listen to someone that's got maybe the right vocal control or uh, some enchanting or special kind of a sound and untapped talent that's there. Right, they're looking for that in choosing the voice. Uh, so that, that's, again, that's the show called The Voice. Uh, I want you to rewind now, though, uh, a couple thousand years to the year around AD 27. There is not a TV show, there was not a TV show at that time called The Voice. There was not a bunch of celebrities looking for a voice, but there was God, and God very much so, was looking for a voice. He was looking for a voice that could announce the coming of his son. Uh, a voice that could, we might say, help launch the ministry of the Savior, of the Messiah. And uh, What kind of voice was God looking for? Uh, was he looking for that right sound, that enchanting sound? Uh, no. That's not what God was looking for. What God was looking for was the power of an honest assessment of the human condition. He was looking for someone that could cut through all of the, the rationalism and the uh, self-righteousness and blame and everything else that's out there 
and cut to the heart of people. That could look into the heart of people with the seeing eye of God's law. And so God chose a person, and there's a picture I found on the internet, probably from a movie, of John the Baptist. That's the person that God chose. And anyone that listened to John, that spent any time with John, didn't leave without having their heart and their sins revealed to them. So it was just the kind of voice that God wanted to announce the coming of his Savior. Now we might say that uh, John's had mainly two purposes as the voice. The first purpose was to lead people to be honest with themselves and, and honest with God about themselves and about their sin and about their sinful nature and to confess those sins, to admit those sins to God. The second purpose of John was to lead people to a baptism of grace. John uh, instituted this baptism of grace. And it was a baptism that pointed ahead to the Savior, that pointed to the one who gave that baptism its power. And it was a baptism that cleansed them of their sins. And that's what John led. That was the second part of John's mission. So, real simply, we could say that John's mission was twofold. It was one, it was to lead us to confess our sins. And number two, it was to lead us to confess Christ who cleanses us of those sins. So those are our main themes for today. You have the, uh, the scripture passage printed out for you in the bulletin. It starts on page four. It comes from Mark chapter one, uh, verses one to eight. So you can follow along. It'll also be on the screen as I read uh, the verses to you. And we'll see, we'll see how the voice did all these things for us. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you. And we heard this earlier, right? That was our first reading for today. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You'll notice, uh, or you'll, you notice first, in the first part of our reading that Mark quotes a couple of Old Testament passages. And again, we heard those, or we heard uh, one of them in our Old Testament reading he, uh, he quotes from the prophet Malachi and also from the prophet Isaiah. And the reason he does that is he's, he's trying to show us that this idea of a voice was not just a passing thought of God or something that he thought of at the last moment. This was something that God had planned and promised for a long time before this. You'll also notice uh, that he says that this voice would come and prepare a way for the Lord. Well, what does it mean to prepare a way for the Lord? What does it mean to prepare us for the Lord? 
Well, to prepare us for the Lord means to help us get things right about God. And a big part of getting things right about God is recognizing, realizing just how much we need God. And so the voice was sent to show us how much we need God. It also said in our verses that John appeared, the voice appeared in the wilderness. And it also says it was a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Now, of course, John the Baptist was out physically in the wilderness. That was his geographic location or landscape. But it's also alluding to the spiritual wilderness that John spoke in, that John ministered in. What do I mean by that? Well, there was a spiritual landscape that was, that was around John and around all the people. It was a landscape that was full of all kinds of, we'll just say, wild and uncultivated ideas about spirituality and about life. And in, at that time, it was things like Roman rationalism and Jewish traditionalism and, and uh, Jewish self-righteousness and, and all of it together, and it was, there was hypocrisy in all of it. That was the spiritual wilderness that John spoke in. And if we look at our world today, we see that our wilderness, the spiritual wilderness around us, is, is, isn't a whole lot different, is it? We have a lot of the same kind of ideas and philosophies about life and spirituality and religion that are out there. And we have a lot of other ones on top of it, too. We have things like, uh, like relativism, right? In other words, there's no absolute truth. There's no universal truth. Or uh, tolerance. That, wrote, that word gets thrown around a lot. Um, or this idea that we're, everybody is generally good. All people are generally good. Or that all people have a divine heart of God that's inside of all of us. So that's all, all around us in the spiritual wilderness that we live in. And then in the middle of it all, unfortunately, people, including us as Christians, what we often tend to think is that our, the biggest problem that we have and the biggest solution to that problem is psychological. And what I mean by that is we think that if we just get things right psychologically, if we get the right behavior therapy, if you will, in our lives, that then things will be okay, and we'll be happy, and life will be happy, and we'll even be right with God if we just get things right psychologically. Well, our biggest problem is not psychological. Your biggest problem, and my biggest problem, is spiritual. Your biggest problem is sin. Your biggest problem is selfishness and self-righteousness and the guilt and the fear and everything that goes with it. And so God had to send us a voice to get it right, to show us what our biggest problem is. John the Baptist is not here with us physically today. But his voice still calls out to us. And it still speaks to our heart. And what does it say? It says that you are a sinner. That I am a sinner. 
And that you are lost in that sin. And that you fall far, far short of the glory and the desires that God expects for you in your life. And just in case we, we've kind of forgot about that or we're not thinking about how big of a problem that is in our life, let me just share a couple examples with you. If you or ask you some questions, if you have ever, ever, even for a moment, put anything in your life at a higher priority than God, maybe it's your job or your spouse or your kids or your finances, whatever it is, if you've put it higher than God in your life, then you've committed idolatry and you've broken the first commandment. Or if you have ever not gladly come to church, if you have ever not gladly listened to God's Word or not gladly sat down on a regular basis and had devotions with God, then you've broken the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Or if you have ever, even for a microsecond, had a hurtful thought about someone else, you've committed murder. You've broken the fifth commandment. Or if you have ever, by the things you've said or by things that you've done, put someone else's reputation in question, or if you have ever done something, or have ever not, I should say, not defended someone when they needed it, then you have broken the Eighth Commandment. You've lied. I could go on and on, right? But you get the picture. You are a sinner. In fact, it's not just that you and I do things wrong. We are wrong. Our whole being is wrong. We are corrupted. Our, we have a sinful nature that lives inside all of us. And God is saying to all of us today, through His voice, that we need to confess those sins to Him. Confess that we are a sinful, corrupted sinner before Him. We need to repent, to use the words that we've heard today. But if you're like me, <laughs> and I know you are, there's a part inside of you that's squirming right now because all of us have a sinful nature that doesn't like to confess. We don't like to admit that we're wrong. Right? We heard it. If you were here for the pre-communion devotion, you heard it. We like to make excuses about why we do what we do, especially those pet sins. And I have them, those sins that we continue to commit every day, and I seem to find a reason about why it's okay for me to do that. We want to excuse it. We want to rationalize it. We want to blame somebody else. Or we want to point to, well, all the good stuff I do, it's got to make up for that, right? We, there's got to be some other way, right, to get right with God besides confessing our sins, because I just don't like to confess our sins, but there's no other way. There's only one way to get it right with God. There's only one doorway to Jesus, and it is to confess your sins to Him. Now, if we confess our sins to Him, there's still a problem. <laughs> there's something else we need to talk about. Because... Just confessing our sins doesn't make up for the fact that they're wrong and what we've done. 
So we need to talk about our Savior. And so that's why John came not just to be the voice to lead us to confess our sins, but also to be the voice to lead us to Christ. To lead us to the one that he called the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. To help us to meet Jesus. And to see the power and the beauty behind his work and how it cleanses us of all of our sins. John's baptism was meant to point us to Jesus Christ. It was before the cross, but it was in view of the cross. John's great work was not the baptism itself, but was the Christ that the baptism pointed it to. The, ba- the baptism pointed us to Jesus Christ. John knew that faith, true saving faith, has two parts. The first part is confession, confessing our sins to God. We sometimes call it contrition. But there's also trust, trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Let's look again at a couple of verses. Um, if you could go back, I think, yeah. Let's look at verses 4 through 8 again. Sorry, i got to get my... Okay, starting with verse 4. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And listen to this. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John knew that although God had sent him to be the voice, that still in the grand scheme of things, he was just a little voice. He was just a teeny-weeny voice. The big voice was Jesus. He was the little guy. Jesus was the big guy. Jesus was the celebrity, not John. John knew that Jesus would come and take the burden of our sin and guilt and carry it to the cross. He would carry that burden. He would cleanse us of all of our sins and he would cleanse John of his his sins. It was not John. But Unfortunately, a lot of the people around John wanted to make him the big guy. They thought John was the celebrity, that John was maybe the Messiah. They wanted to follow John and cling all their hopes to John. But John knew that 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 wasn't right. They couldn't do that. And so he always was trying to point them to the true Messiah, to Jesus Christ. And that's why he says, um, after me comes the one more powerful than I the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. John was not just using flattery here when he says Jesus is more powerful than I. No, John knew that he was just a little guy, that, that Jesus was the big guy, that Jesus was the one. He, he wasn't even worthy to stoop down and untie Jesus' sandals. 
and neither are any of us. No one is. No one's worthy. We, we aren't, like John says, we aren't, we aren't even worthy to be the lowest of, that's what John's saying, we're not even worthy to be the lowest of servants in the presence of Jesus Christ. But the incredible thing is that even though we're not worthy, Jesus came anyway. Even though we're just a little guy and he's the big guy, Jesus came into our world and became a little guy. He came into our spiritual wilderness. He was tempted by all the stuff that's out there all the philosophies that are out there about religion and spirituality, and he faced it all perfectly in our place. And then he carried our sin and our guilt and our fears and everything. He carried it all on himself and took it to the cross, and he paid the price for us on the cross. Jesus did that for us. And so now, by his grace, we get to be part of his team. And like John, we get to say, he's our big guy too. He's our celebrity. He is the Lamb of God who takes away my sin. He is the one. He is the greatest. He is more powerful than I am. He is my only way to salvation. We get to confess Christ. In verse 8, I, I want to point that out. Notice that John says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Um, you might think, you know, what exactly does John mean by that? Um, he, John is actually pointing ahead to a day that would come not long after he ascended back to heaven, back to the Father. The day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came in a very powerful way to enlighten and to empower the disciples with, by the a power of the Holy Spirit. But he's also appointing ahead to that same Holy Spirit, that same powerful Holy Spirit that comes to work in our hearts and to create that faith and that trust and the saving work of Jesus Christ that makes us believe and trust that he's the big guy in our lives. 1 Corinthians 12 says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit has come not only into our hearts to make us believe and trust in Jesus as our Savior, but also to confess, to confess Him as our Savior and Lord, as the big guy in our lives. And so, as we said earlier, John the Baptist came for two reasons, right? Two big reasons. To lead us to confess Christ, or to confess our sins, and also to confess Christ who cleanses us from our sins. I want to close today by just uh, sharing with you uh, something that's not in our reading, but it is some words that John the Baptist said. Um, we, you could find it in some of the other Gospels. Luke uh, specifically has some of these words. Jesus not only was there for Jesus' first coming out into public, but he also pointed ahead to Jesus' second coming, and he said words like this. He said, 
His winnow, he's talking about Jesus. He said, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. And he also said, and the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What was the voice doing for us with these words? Well, John the Baptist knew when he talked to people and his voice talking to us today, he knows that here today, you've heard this message. And I know, I'm confident in your heart that when you hear it, you've confessed those sins to God. And you've, you've been reminded again that you're redeemed by Him and you trust in Him and you confess Him as your Lord. But you're going to leave here and you're going to go back out into that spiritual wilderness. And you're going to be confronted with all those different ideas and you're going to be tempted with all those different ideas you're going to be tempted again to excuse your sin and, and, and blame other people and do those, all, all those other things. You're also going to be tempted to make other things the big guy in your life. Like your job or your spouse or your kids, or your finances. Or even things in the church we make the big guy that are not the big guy. Like church plans. Our building plan. We can make that the big guy. Or our pastors, our called workers, we make them the big guy. We're, all, we're going to be tempted to do that. And so John knows it's not just one time that you confess your sins and that you confess your faith in Jesus Christ. God wants to come to you again and again every day to give you an opportunity to confess your sins once again. And to live life not as a committed sinner, but as a sinner who is a committed Christ confessor. So you, you have to ask yourself, as you go out into the world, as you leave here today, are you singing the song that Jesus gave you as part of his team? The song of repentance? And the song of trust in Jesus Christ? Or are you just playing games with God? Who is it? What is it that you are letting be the big guy in your life? Jesus, your big guy, the big guy, is calling you to repent of that. To set all that aside and to run back to him who's called you and chosen you to be part of his team. He's calling you to sing his song. His song of confession and repentance and trust in him. Not just today. Not just here in this service. But every day and forever. Amen.